reached the Entertainment Hotline, a chatter podcast. Listen as celebs dial in to chat with Anita Annabelle, chatter.com.au and Media Week's Head of Entertainment. Dial 1 for movie stars, dial 2 for streaming stars, dial 3 for TV stars, dial 4 for music stars or press 0 to speak with the star of the show herself, Anita. Hi, it's Alethea Jones, director and producer of Rise of the Pink Ladies. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Entertainment Hotline. I'm your host, Anita Annabelle. This week, I am thrilled to share with you my interview with Alethea Jones. She is one of the hottest directors to come out of our country and her newest outing, Grease, Rise of the Pink Ladies, is sure to get your toes tapping. Not only did she direct the first episode plus two more, she also served as an executive producer. In this chat, we shared some behind the scenes little tidbits, including some epic Easter eggs. And she also talked about the most serendipitous connection she has with the original Grease star, Olivia Newton-John. Grease, Rise of the Pink Ladies is streaming on Paramount Plus now with new episodes dropping every Friday. Here's Alethea. I'm so happy to meet you. I'm Alethea. I'd like to thank your name up front. Thank you. Do you know what I did this morning before I spoke to you? I Googled how to how to say your name and I was like, it's Alethea, it's Alethea, it's Alethea. Stunning. Because it could it I mean a lot of people have this name over here in in LA in America, but they're Alethea or Alethea. Yeah. It's a common pronunciation over here too. So I'm just so excited that you're Australian. That was my my best revelation in researching this show and researching you. I was just like Australian, go girl. <laughs> uh, and when I found out that some Australian people wanted to talk to me, I was so happy. Are you joking? Of course. Of course. Nice. And this show, we'll dive right in because this show, oh, my God. Oh, I'm so excited. It's so, it's so, so, so good. So it's so much fun. But I want to know how you came to work on this production. Okay. Yes, of course. Well, um, the long story, and we may, I may as well tell you the slightly longer story, is that yeah. I came up. I grew up in Australia in, you know, like I was in high school in the 90s and we would do Rocker Steadfords. Do you remember Rocker Steadfords? Honey, and School Spectacular, both of them. Yeah. yeah. Rocker Steadfords, yeah. So I was obsessed with them. I choreographed them. I I had, I had I lived and breathed Rocker Steadford. And, and since then, I've always been really drawn to musicals and, and I've done everything I can to get back to those dance roots to – like, so I came to America and um, started directing and, and said yes to anything I was offered because I should be so lucky to be directing over here. But um, two years ago, I signed with new management and they said to me in this, it's called a signing meeting when they're sort of trying to sign you. And they said to me in the meeting, what do you, what is your heart's desire? And I said, I really want to direct a musical. And they said, what would you say if we said rise of the pink ladies and i this is not a pun i literally got chills which is like i got i I got goosebumps and um i was like what are you talking about what is this and he and luckily this manager's 
One of his other clients was Annabelle Oaks, is Annabelle Oaks, the showrunner and creator of Rise of the Pink Ladies. So he was trying to sign me and he was like, I know this thing that's happening. Do you want to meet on it? And I was like, yes. And I pitched. I did a huge pitch. I did like a, a 70 page document of how I would bring this show to life. And, and that's how I got it. Literally, when you just said, I've got chills, did you see me put my arm up? I put my arm up because I got chills too. Right? Oh, it's such a good name. Right. I, like I said, Rise of the Pink Ladies. It's like you get it. You kind of get what it is. So, as a director of some of the episodes, including the first one, oh my God. And then oh, and I have to say, it starts out with a bang. Hello. But also being an executive producer, I mean, what are you most excited about having been on this production? I'm really, uh, I'm really excited about the spectacle. You know, like I, I, I've studied a lot of musicals during the pandemic. I happened to watch 59 film musicals uh, in one year with a group of friends, right? And we really started to unpack what works about musicals and what doesn't work. Like where, and I felt like I was yearning for more technicolor, for texture that they used to do in the 50s, 60s and 70s. And perhaps modern day musicals have kind of, we've fallen away from texture and and nostalgia and boldness with color. and And so, I would, I'm really, that's a promise that I made to Paramount Plus that, that I would try and being a student of the Technicolor musical, I would try to hold the line and make sure that we could deliver and keep delivering. And so that's what I'm most excited. I think we did working with the costume designer, Sam Hawkins, production designer, Mark Freeborn to make something that felt fifties. It feels so fifties and oh my God, the set is so the Easter eggs in this show, oh, honey, well honey, <laughs> I saw everything. The Easter eggs are unbelievable, even down to one of the houses. Yeah. <laughs> and Rydell Hart, everything is just exactly the same. And it is so, so well done. How did this, let's start with the set before we go to the other Easter eggs. And I don't want to give too much away, but how did you go about recreating some of the really, really nostalgic elements of the original film? Well, I'll tell you what, it was really hard. And thank you so much for noticing those Easter eggs. Um, first start, <laughs> Grease the movie was shot in Los Angeles in summer. And we shot our show in Vancouver in the dead of winter it's like that was it was devastating like the the way that at the start when it was it would be raining and i'd be like oh no we can't shoot and the line producer from canada would be like go out there and shoot and so we would so finding interestingly finding a house that had to match a very important grease house trying to find something now a lot of houses in vancouver have basements so they're not even level they have a half basement peeking out above the ground so we were like oh god well what do we do we do a visual effects set extension do how do we so, but we ended up finding something that was a really good match and putting a you know putting building out some stuff uh, and visual effects help a little bit too you can obviously tell that i'm a huge musical girl so and also grew up with grace was one of my all-time favorites one of my all-time favorites and to see the way that you have honored the original film even down to bed dancing and i won't say too much more in case people haven't seen it but the bed dancing oh, in the first episode just climbing up the trellis like it is so 
insanely close and I think that so many people will feel that nostalgia watching and I know that everyone's going to pick up on it as well but even just the the costuming oh my god even just the cheerleading outfits and the t-bird jackets like you guys nailed it and I genuinely genuinely mean that I mean for you watching the original film like how much did you want to have those easter eggs in the new show Oh, yeah. Look, Grease, the movie, we always call it the mothership. We we wanted to pay it with, with so much respect. And, and the more we watched it together, the more we um, realised what a masterpiece it really is. Like, I don't think I understood what a masterpiece that movie is. Uh, Randall Einhorn, the director, uh, it, it's really special. Like, even, like, I would watch it with the cast and, and teach our cast, who were very new to film acting, how to fill a frame in the fifties, you've got anamorphic, which is super wide, widescreen stuff, right? How like cast back in the fifties could unbury themselves from behind someone. Like you, you have 50 people on a frame. You can almost see every face. People are peeking through. That's not on. Sometimes the, I can't as a director be like, okay, you in the back can't like you can, but you lose a lot of time. So I had to teach the cast. I was like, watch Greece, watch those actors undig themselves from when they're when they can't be seen by the camera watch a background artist adjust during a shot so it was that sort of stuff which was really fun too it's a masterpiece i just feel like watching the show i wish i'd seen it on a big screen yeah it's fun on a big screen i saw it yeah. i actually only saw it on a big screen for the first time last week and it was really it was it was really special to see everybody's hard work pay off it was nice i mean it is special. It is such a, and, and speaking of the cast, I mean, they are the most multi-talented group of kids, yeah. aren't they? They're yeah. insane. I mean, I am, I was laughing. I was like, some of them, it's like in the movie, some of them do look older than, than a teenager. <laughs> I know. I know. We were like, and we didn't know Annabelle and I didn't know what way we'd go. We, we we waited for casting the casting process to figure out: Are we going to have age appropriate cast, or are we going to go older? I think we landed in the middle, which I think is probably a really safe spot. Like we we certainly yeah. don't have thirty five year olds in there, but um, I think our youngest cast member is an ensemble member who was like nineteen years old. And, and, but but like then you've got the kids that are in it too that are really kids but yeah they're good aren't they those those actors our our pinks and and everyone they're really great they are so engaging and i really genuinely mean that it is they are so engaging and every single character has real you know a bit of bite or a little bit of complexity and i know that sounds really bizarre after having seen an episode and a half but you kind of every single person i feel has so much complexity to them um in a really really fun way and i i will have to say i mean i did want to point out the age thing only because the original film you know it's so such a joke that they all yeah. look so old but <laughs> you're right you know in this in this film you can sorry in this series you can tell that they're actually they are still quite young still quite naive still but they've also got that real bite 
um, is, I don't know why I keep using that word, but I, I feel like it. they do. Yeah. Well, and, I always talk about giving things teeth. So I like that you said it's got bite because I'm always on the other side going, give us some teeth, like make, come out swinging, make a choice. Like, and even talking to the background artists and, and allowing them to, I, I think background in, in the movie is a really special, like there are feuds playing out through the whole movie of Greece. The background artists are doing a whole thing and you may not consciously know it, but it brings the frame to life. And so even our background artists in this were, each of them had a character, each of them had a, a through line and objective and they stayed with us. Our background artists, we had a, we had a like, I don't know, 75 regular background that would come to our school and be in the scenes. And by the end, they were so bold. Do you know, it's really funny. There's one guy that I noticed in the opening sequence, in the opening dance, yeah. and he, you can tell he has a character. I don't even know if I've seen him since, but I remember him tripping. Yeah. And I don't know. And I was like, he's supposed to be a little bit geekier and a little bit like not as, and I can totally see what you're saying. Like I really, this is one of those shows I have to tell everybody that you don't look at your phone because so much is happening. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, when you sit, you know, the, the, rel like the scope of a really good show or a movie is now when you're not scrolling. Yeah. And you just sit there and watch the spectacle unfold in front of you. And speaking of spectacle, you've got these dance numbers and these new songs and they're so exciting and so catchy and so even just once again, like the nod to the original film. How important was it for you to get these really great song and dance choices? Oh, it's so important to me again going back to Rocker Steadford, understanding how, like, and watching, you know, growing up watching Janet Jackson music videos and Madonna, like the, the, that was the epitome of dance, like Britney Spears even coming in later. Um, so I really love, I really enjoy a good dance sequence when it's shot well, when the camera is part of the choreography, when the editing is thoughtful, like Baz Luhrmann does it really well, right? But some musicals just it's called hosing it down. I don't know if you've heard that phrase, like when people, directors will just hose down a scene and it's just point the camera and shoot. But like, it was really important to me to, to do the numbers really in a really satisfying way for the audience so that it really popped. And, and working with Jamal Sims, the choreographer, he would do previs. So they would shoot the whole thing on their phones and I would show up to rehearsals and we would make adjustments. And I'd be like, oh, I'm thinking of this camera move. And Jamal would be like, oh, I know how to change this move to suit your camera angle. And, and so there was a lot, it was a very exciting time to prep. I can completely understand. There's actually one scene that I'm thinking of in that opening sequence where I loved that. I think it might be before the song or after the song. And you're literally at one group of kids and then something happens and then you literally pan across and then you're at another group of kids. And I just thought that was so clever. Thank you. Yeah. You know, like I think, uh, when, when people are thoughtful it, with anything, like if, even if, uh, you know, how people decorate their homes, anything that's done with intention, you can feel it. So thoughtfulness is really important to me. And I always really call out thoughtfulness from my heads of department or my cast. I'm like, that was really thoughtful. Like, I, I think, it, and then there's people like you get to notice it and it's like a meditation. Like it's, it's people are thinking about their art and doing it lovingly. And I think it comes through. It completely comes through. It completely comes through. And then in terms of the kids back again to the kids, I feel like they would have felt like this was school camp for them. They did. 
They did. It was. It, and, and, and it was like theater camp for them because I did, at the start, I did like animal workshops. Like I did like, if your character was an animal, like I want you, like we would do this, like because I studied acting as well. Um, so I have a degree in that. And so I did a lot of really physical, theatrical stuff with them in the lead up. So they were just like going back to drama classes from high school like it was very and there was it was really fun and of course like we were doing it during covid uh, it's still covid still happening but we we had to try keep that was really sad because sometimes we have to try keep them apart socially like because they were giving each other covid like all these close contacts we had to shut down every now and then um but like we were all getting it like there's episode two opens with a split screen musical number of all these mothers calling each other and yep. Uh, I directed that from home because I was dinged as a close contact and I had a false positive COVID test. So I directed that whole thing from home and the showrunner Annabelle was at home that day. And so that number actually was brought forward in the schedule because a half of our cast were sick or close contacts. We had nothing to shoot that week. So we had to, in the schedule, there's, there's this musical number that opens episode two and it's all housewives. So they're not in our main cast. They were the only actors that were fully available. It was the only thing we could shoot. So these women were like, what? They were under rehearsed and they had to show up and they were scrambling. I did, I never met them in person. I was in a little, I was being held up on an iPad and shown around. Like I had seen a previs of, they had had like maybe two rehearsals, but they were meant to have more. Any, anyway, that that's, sorry, that you asked me about school camp and I spoke about COVID. Can I just tell you something though? I appreciated that scene because by, by birdie, Ah, that is yeah yeah it is so that hi nancy <laughs> yes what's what is it what's the story morning glory what's the story morning glory what's the i don't know you know it better than me, but it was the telephone hour it was. it was the telephone hour thank you yeah that's i totally caught i grew up in a very very musical home like very musicals were my sister actually still it's her life my mum was a ballet teacher and wow. a ballerina so we, we just musicals were a really really big part of our family so every reference that you put in there I was just like this is speaking to me and I think it will speak to a lot of people who you know there is that element of outcast and I think you know when you're at high school funnily enough talking about the Rock of Stedford you kind of sometimes you know were deemed a little bit of an outcast if you like drama or whatever you know back in the you know 90s 2000s so I think it's it's so wonderful to be able to watch a show where a bunch of outcasts are rising up yeah right and and thank you for for acknowledging that um it felt like when Annabelle was thinking about if she wanted to even pitch on this show, like they basically brought her Greece to be like, well, any ideas, what would you do for that? And she would like, I wouldn't do anything. Greece is perfect. This sounds like a money grab. Uh, and, uh, and then she went away and she thought about it and she was like, what happened to those pink ladies? Like they didn't get as much airtime as they should have. And like, so then she started to research and like, the thing is like, I've, I've read some little criticism. I try not to read comments online about stuff I do, but I read a criticism where someone was like, as if those kids went to school back then, like, and I was like, excuse me, we did so much research. There were so many Japanese American kids in school in, in the 1950s. And, you know, a lot of them had just come out of the, those horrible concentration camps, internment camps. Um, 
there were black kids. There were, I mean, gosh, greasers. When you, the word Greece, greasers, that is a Latinx kind of term. That, that's, that is Spanish speaking and Italian people and greasers. That was kind of a derogatory, dirty word. And so now we're putting actually Mexican American, Puerto Rican people in as the greasers, as the T birds. We're, we're giving, we're letting them speak Spanish. It really happened. We're just, we're just taking the lens from all of the, from what we've normally seen in Technicolor musicals, we're just lifting up that lens and just going around the corner of the hallway to the outcasts, to the people that never got to be in musicals and being like, they were, these things were going down. They just weren't shown in the movies. It's really interesting that you're mentioning about the diversity of the cast, because that is something that I 100% noticed. And I actually questioned it myself, not in a crit criticism, but I questioned it because I was like, the OG film has none of that. Yeah. There's literally not one person of colour in that film. Yeah. So it was a really fantastic choice, in my opinion, that you did use people from all diverse backgrounds. And like you said, that's so important to you. We researched it. We, Annabelle picked up a yearbook from 1954. Uh, she modelled it on, um, I think it's Marshall High, which was one of the high schools that Greece shot at. Greece shot at four different high schools to make Rydell High. She went to one of them, found their yearbook, and we did a casting matrix. We just reflected the exact percentages. So what you see in our show is not when, I mean, by the way, I love diverse casting for the sake of it. I love putting people in, but ours happens to be culturally accurate. And I'm so sad sometimes when people look at it and they're like, oh, like you're just diversifying right. for the sake of it. Why not, by the way, for a start, why not diversify for the sake of it? But ours happens to be really accurate. And that, it, it makes me laugh when people are saying that, no, those people weren't there. Like, where else do you think they were? They weren't going to school? Like, yeah, yeah, it was wild. I was, I was really, that really got me when I read that comment. I, I'm going to write back, but I was just like, let them go. Just read it, take it in and yeah. let it go. But I yeah. get it because it is, it's so interesting. I think because there's a lot of that watching the original film there there isn't they're like no no one would have that in the 1950s but like i said like where would these people have gone to school like it's not like they they only people of ethnicity have just turned up in the yeah. you know the last 20 years so but it is it's i thought it was a really really well done and i loved seeing the spanish element um spanish background over here so it was great, great. to see that but one thing i do want to touch on and I know we learn it very early on, so I'm sure I can talk about it. Mm -hmm. Is those the biggest Easter eggs are two characters? Oh yes, delightful little characters. Goosebumps. Yes, Chills. great, great, great. I literally was like, of course, because it's set four years beforehand. So yes. of course you're going to see some of these people. Yeah. I mean, how important was for you to have that that kind of aspect of these characters and i don't know i don't know whether i should say or not who they are but they they're so important oh my god I and know, it's, it's so fun. wonderful because it feels like you're setting it up yeah yeah look i don't know whether we should say it either i think we we can if we want but it might take away some of the deliciousness for people that are going to watch so. it let's so, just allude to it yeah there are look it, it i Annabelle, our writer, creator, is uh, she's just so smart. Like, she's just so thoughtful how she wove it in. Like, I've always said, like, when you're working with IP, like intellectual property that exists, my feeling is 
memorize it, learn the language, and then tell your own story, like with the language. So we studied Greece, we learned it, it's our mothership. And then we went over here and we told the story and we made it more 50s than the than the 70s because it is earlier. Like it's our story takes place before the big revolution. This hap there's a revolution that's going to happen in Rydell and our pink ladies are going to start it. So we needed to do a very conservative 1950s school that doesn't feel as loosey-goosey as the movie, but we're ramping up to it. Season two, if God willing, we get a season two. That is going to get on that is going to get wild. Like, but anyway, yeah, there are those beautiful Easter egg characters and, and auditioning them was really special. Finding, finding them voice work, making sure that their voices sounded like the originals. And yeah, it was fun. You can, no one can see this because I'm like just smiling from ear to ear and getting all excited because it is one of them. That was one of my favorite parts was just going, oh my God, they're in that same universe. They're in that same time, yeah. duh, but it was the most magical. And, and those actresses, those two girls, perfect, perfect. <laughs> and also to see how that friendship without giving too much away evolved, like, yeah. and even, but just even down to what they were wearing was so on point. Yeah. We're... And that was brilliant. Thanks, Anita. Ah, uh, I'm just, yeah, it, it is such a, I think as somebody who, like I mentioned, as I'm such a huge fan of the original, I grew up on it. We watched it at school and you have done it so proud is, oh. is the only way that I can kind of explain it. So grateful. Where are you? Where are you? Where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in the North Shore. So I grew up in Kalara. Ellen uh -huh. McPherson um, was the most famous person that went to our school. She was Eleanor McPherson, who used to do Rocker Sedfords, by the way. Well, you see, yeah. So you're you were rural though, weren't you? Yeah. Well, my famous person was Olivia Newton John. So we would have Olivia Newton John sightings in the grocery store at Bilo. Like, mum would be like, "There's Olivia." Like, my friend's dad used to manage their property, like uh, the farm. So, like, Greece was doubly like the weight of that was like she was really special for us. She was really special, and when she passed. The car, uh, we were working, we were shooting in the cast. It was a really dark day because she's so special to us as we shot this show. And, but yeah, the, it, Greece, everyone sang Greece uh, where I was from. So I'm actually blown away that yeah. how magical and how meant to be yeah. to have Olivia Newton John from your hometown. Yeah. Yeah. It was really, she was really. She was always really special for, for everyone around there. We were also proud to come from Alstonville, like that little, like, cause you know, she, she had the thing of Gaia at Byron Bay and, but Alstonville and, and the, she was in the countryside around there. So yeah, we were all so proud of, to be from where she lived. Like it was, I never met her. I was, yeah, I'm so sorry that you didn't. And how it, it's, it's funny. Cause I've been watching, watching the show. I'm like, who's the Sandy, but obviously there is no Sandy, but it's, you kind of almost want to see a Sandy character. Agree. Every now and then, like we, we, we would, me and the showrunner would, would brainstorm that there are ways to do that sort of stuff. Like it's, 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 it's infinite. The options are so like, there's so many wonderful options and there are so many fun ways to bring them in and there, there's more to come. Like it's, it's, it's some um, fertile ground, isn't it? Like to, to bring these characters in. Absolutely. And I'm hoping that you get 
about three more seasons, maybe four, uh, maybe five. <laughs> yes. Because you just want to see this evolve. And I think it's just going to be amazing because it just from memory, it is four years before the original. That's what it is. Yeah. So it just feels like it's just going to roll in. And I think that's so, so, so fabulous. Um, before I lose you, because I cannot believe we've been almost talking for half an hour. I could talk to you all day. I love um, it. You're so lovely to talk to. Oh, you're so lovely. I just, I do want to know though, speaking of incredible Australian actresses who have made it huge in Hollywood, I read that Tony Collette changed your life. Oh, Tony's amazing. Yeah, she's awesome. She really did change my life. It started with um, I made, I directed a short film that won Tropfest and Tony was one of the judges at, there along with some amazing people like Kate Blanchett and uh, Asha Ketty and Nicole Kidman. So Tony was one of the judges and she remembered my short film, Lemonade Stand, and then I was attached, attached to direct a movie and basically, if Tony hadn't have come on board, we, w- we couldn't have gotten it financed. Like, and, and she, I wrote her a letter and she wrote back and she's like, of course, I remember you. She also knew it was Adam Scott was in it, the actor. And uh, uh, so she knew Adam from a movie that they'd done, a Christmas movie they'd done together a couple of years earlier. So we all kind of did a triple pronged attack to get Tony on the movie. She loved the script. It's called Fun Mum Dinner. Um, when I say Fun Mum Dinner, in America, they're like, what? What did you say? So I have to say fun dinner. mom dinner. <laughs> <laughs> it's because you're like fun mom dinner. Fun mom dinner. Yeah. It doesn't sound like any words to them. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so Tony came on board and I think she understood the – I don't think she would have joined if she if it didn't make her chuckle. But, uh, you know, Tony's incredible. She made me a better director. She she was so wonderful to work with and she still, she's just spectacular. She is spectacular, but so are you. Oh my gosh. That's no use. <laughs> no, it is. It's it's so wonderful to hear about, you know, women. It's exactly like the pink ladies, you know, women supporting women. I mean, let's go back to the show for a second. There is some really big support on a stage where everyone. Oh, that Ooh. scene. There's a scene where, yeah, that scene on the stage, um, that makes me really emotional. Because the way that Annabelle wrote it, um, even when they all stand together, they're still booed. They're still like, there's still a moment before the tides turn. And I love it. I love people like, and they, there's so much dignity in it. Like, and they like hold, they're like, like, I think even the way the script wrote it, like they're rebuffing the insults. The insults are like pinging off them as they stick their chests out and just a- absorb the blows that the audience yeah. is rowing them. And it's one of my favorite moments. And, it's almost like the, the auditorium scene that we're talking about for those listening along. It It is like a musical number for me. We storyboarded that scene. Every, every shot, every moment was very thought about and because we had so little time to get it. And, and I wanted to get all of the looks, every little reaction, every every eye lock or whatever it is. So I treated that like a musical, a musical number. That it's auditorium. like a dance, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's it all really those- is. And funny because... In in my head, watching that, I was like, "This is hilarious!" Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and here you are getting emotion. I'm like, "That was great!" It's hilarious. No, like, and I used to call. I call the Pinks um, our four actors um, raccoons. Like, they're little raccoon women. Like, 
the characters are like little raccoon. Like they're just, and I kept saying to them, bring the raccoon energy, like get messy, get, don't, you don't have to have, like we did have to have 1950s poise. We wanted that poise in the way that, you know, that cutesy kind of way that 50s people hold themselves. But I also wanted to show women in a sort of, you know, I think even in the later episodes, someone farts and I was like, have them do a fart. Like, why not? Like, why not? Like that, they do, like we do. So it's this little raccoon, like you see little raccoon ladies every now and then, like when they're all scrambling out and running to the car, I'm like, go raccoons. Like, so, and they did, they loved it. They loved it. You're making me laugh, like touching on what you just said before <laughs> about when you had them all be animals, mum used to do that in her ballet class, you know, you'd be wow. like fairies or be little whatever. And it's so funny because, but all I can think of is like, I just want to, I'm dying to ask you, did you make them be a tree? I don't know why. <laughs> no one had to be a tree. No one, no one had to be a tree, but I remember being a tree in my drama classes at the Austin. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I was definitely a tree. No, they were all like, I think uh, Cheyenne who plays Olivia, the little, the goddess, the the bombshell, she found that she was a panther. And the way she stalked around the room with that slowness and that languid eye contact. And um, I remember, yeah, I can't remember. Oh, Ari, who um, plays Cynthia, the one that wants to be a T-bird, she, she found that being a meerkat, so she was just like darting around, trying scrambling around, interacting with the cast as a meerkat. Nancy, who was um, played by Trisha Fukuhara, N Nancy, went between a grumpy old house cat and a duck. Uh, and so it was just fun to play, yeah. I'm now never going to look at these girls in, in the same way because I can totally see what you're saying, especially the meerkat. I mean, yeah. that is actually, now I'm looking at it, I'm like, yeah, she does dart around like that. It's yeah. so cool. Did you was my favourite. You have a favourite character? What? I absolutely love the T-Birds. And I, I know, no, I think, I don't know if it's because growing up, like, John Travolta. I don't know if it's that, but I think I just love that. I always relate to people who are Spanish or, you know, yeah. that kind of, and I think I just love their characterizations of doing exactly what John Travolta would have done. I think it's, that's, that's why they're my favorite. And I think, but I think that it's going to change. Oh, great. And it's, yeah, good. You, we, we glimpse, you know, there's, there's, there's one turning point where Annabelle turned to me and we, you know, Buddy, Buddy, who is um, the, the 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 most popular guy in school, the, the quarterback, the class president, um, we made him really relatable halfway through the season. And Annabelle's like, oh God, what? It, like this is meant to be a, a feminist show. Have we just made the the straight white gorgeous guy so relatable? And I'm like, no, Annabelle, that's what feminism is. We're all equal. Every character gets a turn. Every character gets imbued with dignity and dimension. Um, we're not here to vilify the white people either. Like everybody is dignified. And, and I really love that about her writing and her leadership. So yeah, I hope that you change. I hope that you're like, oh no, I like this person. Now I'm like, you haven't even properly met Hazel yet. Hazel's coming up the ranks and uh, she's going to steal the whole show. She hasn't even... <sighs> Yeah, wait for episode, wait for a later episode. Well, this has been so delightful. You are just so wonderful. And it is just amazing to watch an Aussie just rise to the ranks and everyone has to watch Grease, Rise Thanks. of the Pink Ladies. Thank you so Thank much. Thanks for calling the Entertainment Hotline with Anita Annabelle. You can find us on Instagram at the entertainment underscore hotline pod or visit us at chatter.com.au.
The Entertainment Hotline with Anita Annabelle is a proud chatter podcast. 